0: murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are True Law Stories, brought to you by videocasestory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. Welcome to True Law Stories. On this episode, we have a forensic expert who's an expert in electronics and cellular data, and we're gonna talk about a person who was electrocuted in a hotel, Uh, Someone that was spoofing MAC addresses while uh, claiming that in securities fraud case and sex trafficking charges in a hotel, against a hotel, using Google data, plus some key fob problems that one insurance company tried to expose or alleged problems. Mark McFarland, thank you so much for being in True Law Stories. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. And don't forget this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to grow your firm is through your client stories. Learn how we can help you get more leads, more traffic, and close bigger cases using video case stories. Go to videocasetory.com. All right, let's get started. So before we get into this, explain to us specifically what type of expert you are, but what it means to be a, an expert witness.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. My my area of expertise is electrical and telecommunications engineering. Uh, so I work on cases that involve some type of of electrical phenomena or wireless phenomena. That includes things uh, from electrocution, a mining accident where someone's uh, communication system didn't work and he ended up getting hurt. Uh, things like I have a case hearing damage due to a faulty guitar amp, and even like medical malpractice. Uh, due to a uh, electronics part that didn't work right. And on the on the criminal side, I work all, all types of different cases, uh, like a worked home invasion, uh, murder appeal, sex trafficking, securities fraud. And a lot of the criminal cases I work usually revolve around cellular evidence and GPS evidence.
0: Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, we actually just did a true law story, too, because they had to use the Doug Richards one where they had a case that they had to get all the evidence from the swipe cards in a building and as well as the cell service to figure out who was where and when. And it's super interesting. So when you're an expert witness, how does that work? How does how does that work for someone?
1: Yeah, sure. So how it works is I would be retained by by an attorney, either for the prosecution or the the defense. And uh, what they, they retain me for is is to look at look at a case like let's take an electrocution case that I had. Come and look, and someone got uh, a really severe shock. He was in a hotel room. He leaned on the by the doorway, by the entry, and there's a circuit panel door there, like you've seen everyone has in their house. You open it up, and there's a circuit breaker behind it. But he leaned on this panel when he was uh, getting dressed. He leaned on it for stability, and he got a pretty severe shock, and then he fell and hit his head, and the worst part was he hit his head the damage caused when he fell and hit his head not so much the, the shock he got didn't do all the damage it was the fall but i was asked to come i was asked by his attorney who was who was suing the hotel that you know this is unsafe this shouldn't happen can you come look and investigate this and and explain how this could happen how did this guy end up getting shocked this you know so uh, what i did was i i was retained i went down to the hotel it was uh, just outside of the denver area And looked at this circuit breaker box in this hotel room, and just uh, recorded, took all the information I could. Took the panel off, took a look, and then I'm just trying to answer the question: How did this happen? What what evidence is here that could support that it caused this guy to get a shock and then fall and really get hurt after that? So that's kind of how I'm how I'm retained, and you know, I looked in this case. I looked at the circuit breaker, took a lot of pictures, examined, you know, what was in there, and it turned out that there were. something very strange that this hotel was built, say, about 15 years ago. But when you look inside the circuit breaker box, you could see there's some of the circuit breakers looked about 15 years old, covered in some dust. But there there were two that were really shiny new. And that's what really alarmed me. Like, why would there be new circuit breakers in here? And then the new ones weren't installed to the newer code. So since the hotel was built, the code for the types of circuit breakers you use had changed and it wasn't installed to the new code. So I wrote a report basically on that saying, you know, here's this this situation. I don't know exactly how he got shocked, but there's something really fishy here that circuit breakers were replaced in this panel because whoever replaces circuit breakers, like maybe our grandparents replaced fuses back in the day, but you don't normally go and replace a circuit breaker unless there's some other problem. So then based on on that, my report and my analysis of, of all this, and then Other evidence that's provided by, say, the EMS who was at the scene, even like a doctor's report, different things like that. I I would take into account, and then wrote a report, you know, say my opinion that you know this shouldn't happen and this isn't to code and the you know what you know what what might exactly have caused this. I don't know exactly, but there's something not right here and this isn't to code and this needs to be investigated. And then they had settled the, uh, settled this, this, uh, suit just on my, rep- on my, uh, on my report. So that was a, a good outcome.
0: That's amazing. That's, uh, yeah, it's so cool that like, we don't think about those little things. it's just like, oh, someone got electrocuted. We sue them, Right. Then, but it's all that investigation. And so tell, you know, we're gonna talk about the sex trafficking, but tell me about the, how you were brought into a securities
1: case, a securities fraud case. How does that work? Yeah. So my, a lot of my background is telecommunications, and that deals a lot with networks and information going over networks, whether it's a wireless network or the internet or a Wi-Fi or a, a local area network. And this case really revolved around the computer that was being used. And was it the same computer that was used for these other trades because of its multiple people trading from different accounts, but on the same computer, there's some laws against that. And some, there's some fishy things that might be going on that that they wanted to kind of get to the bottom of that. And I guess they, they had found me, this was a law firm out of Los Angeles, and they had found me, they looked on the internet and must've looked pretty hard because I'm not that easy to find on the internet. That's one of the things I need to address, but they searched pretty hard and found me due to my, my telecommunications background. And I was able to help give some education, I guess, and 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 learning and write a report about how these MAC addresses work and can they be spoofed was really what the question came down to.
0: And so what was the end result?
1: So, so the end result was that they were trying to say that these trades were made from the same computer and then... Th- the, the point I was there to make was, was to say, well, we really don't know if it's the same computer. You, can't, you don't really know for sure because Mac addresses can be spoofed. It's something very easy to do. It's something anyone can look up on the internet. You can, you can do it on uh, Windows, on, on Mac, on Linux. And the Mac address is like the serial number for your network card. So that's what communicates to the outside world and every one of them has a, a unique serial number but these serial numbers can be manipulated through software. So then what it came down to was my just providing an opinion on you know, how unique are these, these Mac addresses. And really they're, they're not really that unique. They change and they're, they're is, they change like a sand dune basically. They can change with the winds. When someone wants it to change, you can change it. And you can even set your computer, I know on Windows, to every day or so have it change the Mac address automatically.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. And that's so basically prove that you, it could have been someone else, right?
1: It could. Yeah, to cast doubt. And yeah, and that, that it could have been someone else. And It's not necessarily there's not enough evidence here. The evidence we have is not sufficient to show that it, it that it did come from this person from this computer. That's kind of what my, my opinion was there. Yeah.
0: So it must it, be your uh, services are definitely the need for them are on the rise of late, huh?
1: Absolutely yeah some yes because yes. <laughs> these areas in telecom everyone has a phone everyone's using networks all the time, whether you realize it or not and there's a lot of information there that that, uh, that goes over these networks and a lot of information that can be used to to help uh, people understand what the facts of a case are. It's interesting
0: yeah we I mean we everyone kind of knows they're being tracked, but they don't realize the level at which the, this information is going through. And so how did this, how tell me about the sex trafficking case that happened?
1: Yeah, sure. So there was a, uh, the, I was retained by a defense counsel from a big law firm. Uh, and they had a client in Florida was a big, uh, hotel resort, international resort hotel, uh, and they were being accused of sex trafficking by someone who was, who was, who was at their hotel. This woman claimed, uh, she was. She was being held against her will in this hotel. She had three months of her Google uh, history saved, three months of this Google data that included things like what apps you installed, where all all your location, what websites you visit, all all this different information that Google keeps. She saved three months of it, and that served as her her evidence that she went on to say, or her, she was, was, this was a Jane Doe, a plaintiff. Her attorney went, Went on to say, you know, they're they're obviously sex trafficking her. She was held here against her will. At these these location records did show she was in in the hotel for days at a time, and sometimes a week or two at a time. And they're claiming, you know, they should have known about this. The hotel should know what's going on in their own hotel, and they they allowed this to happen. So that was kind of the 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 problem that was set up, and, and the problem that was facing the, the attorney who retained me. So I was retained to look at this uh, Google location history, this this three months of location history that they had. The defense attorneys who who retained me thought, you know, this isn't—we're not getting the whole story here. There's more. We believe there's more in this record than than the uh, the the plaintiff attorney is telling us. So I looked at it and 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 made was it made a list of about 130 other places this woman went to over this three month period that was not the hotel. And she went to from uh, the hotel was in Palm Beach, Florida. She went also to she went to New York State to visit family. She went to Atlanta. She went all she went all over and all around in Florida. She was out and about. Meanwhile, the plaintiff's account of this says, oh no, she was in the hotel these days, in the in the hotel for these days, in the hotel. She couldn't leave. So there was a, a little bit of a discrepancy there. So it was 3 months of Google data which is a lot of data to, to sift through and it came from three different devices she had but uh, I was able to go go through it all and just make a list for the for my for the uh, attorneys as to different places she she went to.
0: What was the discrepancy there the between how does that discrepancy happen between data she was showing and data you were showing?
1: Well, what they were showing was true. What the plaintiff was showing was true that she was in the hotel, you know, for these four days straight. She was in the hotel for this, you know, that was all true. But there were other times she was not in the hotel where she was free to move about, where she went to visit family, went went to different, even went to places that would have people trained to recognize sex trafficking and, and you know, danger signs and symptoms. And she was in places this was the defense's position she was at places where people were trained to help her had she sought had she had she asked for some help and the the position so the the point was i was telling the whole story there was more to the story than that that was presented and and when you look at the rest of the story of the different places she went and then and then compared that to the story that was coming from the from the plaintiff's attorney it didn't add up and then this was another case that luckily settled on, on my report. Once they issued my report, they settled right away because they were like, oh no, we're, 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 you know, someone got us, he, they found someone who can interpret these records and make sense out of them.
0: Yeah. And it seems like the, the more and more of these cases are once again, coming up, aren't they? Is Google being used in lots more cases like that type of Google data?
1: Yeah, the interesting thing was this data. It, it wasn't something that was subpoenaed. It was something that that the the Jane Doe that she 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 saved on her own. So you can save your own Google data and then you can go download it. And that's exactly what they did. So she saved her data over a three month period and then downloaded it and presented that as evidence. Look, I'm being sex trafficked. So. I mean, so the, the data can, can it cuts both ways, I guess. It, it can, It's there, the data's there, and it's it was her choice to keep it there. She could have said, don't save my Google location history, this and that, but it was there. And then when it comes down to subpoenaing data, because some, sometimes you might not have the data, you, you can't get it through an individual. If, if the, the lawyers have to go get it, they can subpoena it. And sometimes you'll get it, and sometimes you won't with a subpoena. It depends on... A lot of times, if it's a criminal case, the companies will comply. And if it's a, not a criminal case, they kind of drag their feet and draw it out and don't want to get involved in ish, constantly having to issue data.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure Yeah, that's a lot, but they have a lot of data. I guess Google just came out, they have like something like 74 million points of data per person. So, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, You know, being a forensic expert, I'm sure you've seen some crazy things. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen? in a
1: trial it doesn't even have to be the case was crazy what's the craziest thing uh would be i i would say an insurance claim i worked it was a, it it was just an insurance claim where someone was in an accident he had a really nice a luxury suv vehicle and uh, he thought this vehicle should have been totaled and the insurance company says no we can fix it and you'll get your car back and this guy wasn't happy with that he wanted a new car so so what happened was uh, he, cl- he claimed that this this vehicle was uh, had anomalies from this accident it was in. And these anomalies would cause the trunk to open, the horn to, to, to beep, and the, the, the lights to go on and off, and the doors to lock. And uh, the insurance company's position was, well, he just has a key fob in his pocket. And he's there when we were kind of running these tests to see how the vehicles operating, And he was there pushing the key fob and causing these things to happen. So then they claimed that they had evidence of this, that, that they're the insurance. So I was retained by the plaintiff, by the, the guy who, who's, who was in the accident and was trying to, and, and believed his car should have been totaled. But the insurance company presented some reports that we did these measurements and our measurements show there's, he was there pushing the key fob. So I, I have a really strong background in wireless and wireless measurements and things like that. So I'm like, all right, let's look at the measurements you have and let's see them. And the measurements showed no such thing. So <laughs> that was just, they had this position that, you know, this guy is doing something wrong. And well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But if you don't have the evidence to show it, I looked at it. And you couldn't tell from, from their, their plot and kind of their, their measurement that they did whether there was a key fob, the measurements were done on this like $25 receiver and they learned their, they, they kind of looked it up on, on the internet, how do I do these measurements? And when I do something, I buy like lab grade equipment so I can get a good recording, present it in core. It's calibrated. I know, you know, and that's kind of how you do things, but these people didn't do it that way. And it was even a mechanical engineer doing the, the, the wireless engineering aspect of this. So maybe, maybe he did have a key fob, but there was no ev- they had no evidence to show that.
0: It's funny. I mean, it's, it's amazing what people will try and do, right, and, and to try and win a case. So what's the best, uh, if, if someone needs a forensic expert, uh, we can go to discoveryengineering.net. Tell me about uh, like the types of case, other types of cases you work on.
1: Yeah, sure. So on the uh, on the civil and criminal cases, so the, the criminal, we went over some of them. I had one that was a, a home invasion, a murder appeal, uh, the sex trafficking we talked a little bit about, and also securities fraud. I've also worked cases like distracted drivers where you want to know, was the person who caused the accident, was she texting right before the accident? So you can learn that from cell records. Uh, I've also worked like electrocution case we talked about. My, there was a mining accident case where this guy's uh, emergency transponder didn't work and he couldn't call for help. Uh, others are medical malpractice where a nurse call button didn't didn't work and someone ended up getting seriously injured because the nurse didn't come when she needed him. So, so different things like that. And then I've also gotten involved in a uh, license disputes, software license disputes and contract uh, disputes that involve some technical, some technical aspects of a license. Interesting. All these little things that we don't think
0: about that become cases. Well, this has been a lot of fun, it's... Mark. Uh, we'll make sure to put link to link to you in the show notes, link to the website. and uh, But thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. Ian, thank you, great to be here. And uh, thank you all for joining us on True Law Stories. This has been Ian Garlick and uh, Mark McFarlane. True Law Stories has been brought to you by videocasestory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.